I am going to deviate from our uh, choice giving, and I'm mm. going to give you the other option you didn't take oh, okay. last time. So um, another pretty influential genre film mm. of its time. Kay, have you seen The Princess Diaries? I have not seen The Princess Diaries. It's just a classic, and I really want to watch it. So that's oh, why okay. we're going to... I've been delving into Netflix's queue of old, you know, early thousands movies recently. <laughs> okay. So this is a good one, and, and you've got to see it at some time. There she is right there. That's me at Thermopolis. Glamour. Romance. Fame. Mia Thermopolis had it all, but only in her dreams. As always, this is as good as it's gonna get. Her real life was completely ordinary. You're way tense. But now, something's about to happen. Your grandmother called. This is the first time she's ever contacted us. What you want? That will change everything. I... I'm queen of Genovia. Whoa, whoa. And you are princess. Shut up. Just in case, I'm not enough of a freak already. <laughs> What's added tiara? I can teach you to walk, talk, sit, stand like a princess. Woo! Let the work begin. We don't schlump like this. It's a question of taste. Princesses never cross their legs in public. Tuck one ankle behind the other. A matter of grace. Oh, oh! What kind of dancing do you do? Where is the beautiful girl? My granddaughter, Amelia. <gasps> and a chance... Attack! ...to make all her dreams come true. Hey. Only Paula can take this and give you... ...much better. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Hathaway and Academy Award winner Julie Andrews. Do you think she can do it? I have no doubt. <laughs> the Princess Diaries. I would like to propose a toast. Welcome to K Have You Seen, the podcast with hot takes on cold viewings. I'm Kari. I'm Kyle. Uh, and today we are talking about yet another classic in <laughs> a podcast full of classics, The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Uh, Kyle has not seen this one, obviously, so I'm so excited to dive into this. It is just one of those generation-defining movies, but we'll get into that. I agree. Uh, it's, okay. it's kind of strange that I've been able to avoid seeing this movie for so long because, like, I think my sister owned it and I just never watched it. Oh, okay. Um, I know that it was very popular. Uh, mm -hmm. it was on the Disney Channel all the time <laughs> for, like, ten years after it came out. It launched quite a few careers. Yeah. I, watching it this time, I will get much deeper into this, but I was thinking about just, like, okay, why, why was this generation defining? Mm -hmm. But I hope... I hope we can work that out together in this I, episode. I think we'll get somewhere. I think we will get to it. I do wonder, though, is this a movie... You, there's some movies that, like, you know, you're a brother and you have a sister. Mm -hmm. I'm a sister, I have a brother. Right. So there's some crossover, like, things that were kind of more targeted towards girls of that course, you yeah. saw as a boy and same to vice versa. I wonder if this is maybe one of those ones that, like, 
didn't cross over. I'd like to do maybe a poll of some brothers in my life to, to see if, mm-hmm. if maybe this is just one that like, I don't know. Well, once sisters were watching it, they were maybe too, they were older, so their brothers weren't watching it with them. I don't know. I wonder if maybe this just does have a very, mm-hmm. a much stronger hold on girls than it does with boys. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. I mean, I, I not for any good reason necessarily, but like I do think that that's just the case. And I think, I mean, obviously this movie was marketed more toward girls than sure. to boys, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the subject matter is just something that is traditionally and typically more appealing to girls than to boys. Right. This obviously was more of a girl's... I just mean, like, there's some things that cross over, and I wonder yes. if this one just, like, wasn't one of right. them. Right, yeah, 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 Maybe there's a lot of boys that missed out on this one, but I think part of partially... So this is based on, we should say, Meg Cabot's books, uh, which there's 11 in the series. There's only two Princess Diaries uh-huh. movies, which going to save this for the end <laughs> but there's gonna be a third one Whoa. i just learned that which i'm sure other people knew i think they announced it maybe in like january or something mm-hmm. but uh yeah princess diaries three 11 books in the series for what the premise only really lends itself to like a couple of stories maybe like i can well, see you str- mm-hmm. i can see getting three good stories out of this setup and this character mm-hmm. but 11 books yeah i well I read one of them. It was mm. not the first one, and I'm trying to remember. With 11 books, I do not remember which one it actually was. But I think I think a lot of the, like, they go much deeper into her young adult life. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, um, I think she's a freshman in the books when she finds out that she's a, mm-hmm. a princess. So they really go through, like, her, her high school career. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the movies, there's only two soon to be three um and it's pretty much like she's quote unquote 15 in this one right. she's Anne Hathaway was like 19 so she's definitely I thought, one I thought of those, she was like, only 17 actually in the, when they when they shot the movie I thought I was doing the math I thought because maybe when they shot but even then maybe I don't, I don't know, know. I, it, she was an old 15 yeah, she definitely yeah. did not look 15 um but and then the second movie is like her engagement she's like a grown woman mm-hmm. at this point so um I think they just really delve into it and the one book I I read I remember kind of the central, you know, the central conflict was basically what it is in the movie of like balancing how to be this person that she's expected to be, but also like have a boyfriend and mm-hmm. do high school things and do well in school and all that stuff. So it was a lot of like that kind of grown up decision making of, okay, well, I'm expected to do this and also to be here for this other thing. How do I do both? So the book that you read was not the one that this specific movie was based no. on? No, okay. yeah, it was a later one. Yeah. Got it, okay. Maybe I'll remember one day which one it was, <laughs> but there's 11 of them. Um, so anyway, yeah, getting back into this movie, mm-hmm. cast, I think this is probably one of the reasons it has staying power because Anne Hathaway, this was not her first role, but really her first most recognizable role. Maybe mm-hmm. her first role in a movie, I think. I believe that I, when I when I looked it up, I think it said that this was her first movie role. Right. Yeah. Um, she had been in one TV show before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, Julie Andrews. Right. Is ultimate classic. Like, of course. And she even said she would do the third movie, which I was like, okay, this means these are good. <laughs> like, yeah. if Julie Andrews would sign on for the third movie coming up, like, what, 20 years Almost, after the yeah. first one? Yeah, that's good. Um, Hector Elizondo, uh-huh. classic. Mandy Moore in an early right. role. Yeah. And now, you know, she's... Remember back in the day when they were trying to make Mandy Moore a movie star? Yeah, yeah. Well, now she's got, you know, the whole... What's the show? Shoot, I'm never going to remember it. The TV show that she's on? Yes. Oh, gosh, I don't everyone's know. obsessed with. I don't oh, know. No, I have neither no idea. Of us watch it. Um... 
oh god it's the one that everyone cries and talks about all the time is it like this is us or something like this that? is us this oh, is okay. us yeah, yeah 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 the show um, where I, I still don't have any idea what it's about because the trailers for the show never show anything that the, st the story that about the story or the plot or anything like that well yeah it's just sad it's and just happy and people stuff. love it um yeah so she's like you know she, she's still around, just a very different mm -hmm. person than they were trying to make her be in this movie. Sandra Oh yes. probably has one of my favorite performances on this viewing. We'll talk about that. But <laughs> she's doing this like amazing like balletic like arm movement yeah. throughout the thing. She's always yeah. got this like huge presence. She gets totally starstruck when the queen comes in. We'll talk about that scene. But just like she's doing so much. And uh -huh. it's like, oh, Sandra Oh. Amazing. Also, she has not aged a day in the last no. 18 years. Ugh, and she's got such range. <laughs> um, but anyway, and Caroline Goodall, which is not maybe a super recognizable name, but she does have some solid credits. She was, um, I recognize her, I think she's the wife in Hook. Is, wait a minute, who, who does she play in this movie? She's the mom. She's That's, Mia's okay, mom, okay. Helen. Yeah. So she has a recognizable face. But yeah, directed by uh, Gary Marshall. Mm -hmm. He has quite a few credits, his most recent ones being those like Valentine's Day, New Year's right, Eve, yeah. Mother's Day movies, but also did like Raising Helen, Runaway Bride. Um, pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Buried yeah, the lead yeah, there. Yeah. No, like yeah. He's, like easily his, Going in reverse his, order. His most famous, yeah, his most famous for sure for uh, for Pretty Woman, which oh. bears a lot of, I think, similarities to oh, this sure. movie. Yeah, yeah. Another Cinderella retelling mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. sure. A couple episodes of Laverne and Shirley also, which right. did you ever watch that show? Starring, starring his sister, Penny Marshall. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's funny. Mm -hmm. I really liked that show when I was a kid. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's kind of the background. Kyle, what? Tell me about your first impression. Um, well, I've been trying to go and do a lot of these movies more recently with more of an open mind. Okay. And I growth, huh? nice. Yeah, growth. I, I, you know, <laughs> personal growth and maturity. And that is something that has definitely happened more since we've started doing this podcast. But like, I um. Probably if I watched this movie three years ago, I would have been completely dismissive. I really liked it. I thought it was very good. Okay. And this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but for the type of movie that this is, I thought that it was uh, much better than mm. it probably needed to be, or much better than people probably would have expected a movie with this premise to be. Gotcha. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, as I was watching this, I was like, I would not have been shocked if you were like, this is trash, and it's only good because people remember it being no, good. No, I, I, I was I, I would be very blunt and upfront about that <laughs> if I thought that was the case. But legitimately, I think that like you know to partially answer the question that you posed at the top of the episode, like I think the reason why it's so fondly remembered is because it's legitimately good. Like it is kind of a time capsule movie because it does feel like one of the last of that 90s style teen movies. Like, mm -hmm. the beginning felt very 90s. Mm -hmm. It felt very much of the same universe as 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, totally, yeah. You know, yeah. with that big cast of supporting characters and hyper-stylized home environments. And, you know, only in a 90s teen movie does someone's quote-unquote boring normal life involve living in a painted-up firehouse <laughs> in San Francisco south of Market Street, mm -hmm. and going to a private high school populated by really colorful characters and working after school at a rock climbing gym. That is the boring, normal life yeah. that uh, uh, Genovia is going to take Mia away from. <laughs> that is totally fair. Yeah. I'll be honest, on this watching, I was like, I could have done without almost all of the high school stuff. That oh, yeah. was the stuff that felt the most cliche, but I felt like they got so specific and so interesting and deep with how they stylized the Genovia side of her 
her whole princess well, experience. If we know one thing about Gary Marshall, he loves an ensemble cast, right? <laughs> like he, he loves having just a zillion characters who may only have like one or two lines or pop up twice or whatever. Um, and he clearly he clearly finds something creatively satisfying about that setup. So yeah, you know. and it's good. They do have some great mm -hmm. great background characters. So do you remember the first time you watched this movie? Did you remember seeing it in the theater? Was this something that you arrived at a little bit later? Because two thousand one, you would have been in like elementary school. Right? Yeah, I was pretty young. I honestly have no idea the first time I watched it. This was just a movie that like. I, I wish I knew how many times I've seen it because it's probably a lot. It was it was a sleepover movie. Of course. Maybe I saw it in theaters, but yeah, I would have been pretty young at that point. I know I saw the second one in theaters. Um, this, it just like was one of those movies that everyone had seen. It was like mm. a bridesmaids mm -hmm. of the day. Like you could quote it, you could reference it, and like you knew this yeah. was like base level culture, mm -hmm. at least amongst girls. Um, there are some lines in here that just, I like forgot about them until they were said. And I was like, like, I think they played it in the trailer and that's why, like, I remember the trailers for this. And actually I remember, you ever watch on the Disney channel, there was like, they would do these, um, I think it was the channel surfers or something. Movie surfers. Movie, Movie surfers. surfers. Yes, yes, of course. I was obsessed with that. Yes. And they did um, a little like thing where one of the movie surfers went to the like the premiere well it was or... the production house that oh, was cutting okay. the trailer okay. okay and so they were talking about kind of how you cut trailers and they gave them an option of like a couple scenes and they're like mm -hmm. which scene would you put in the trailer and they chose the one where mia and clarice are like in the mustang on the hill oh, rolling backwards and okay. run into the streetcar uh -huh. and they were like that's right because this is a very climactic scene it's got something interesting going on and i just remember like Oh, okay. That my <laughs> introduction clicked. to the oh, art of trailer cut. All right, cool. Yeah, so I remember. I must have. I must have seen it in theaters because I remember kind of the mm -hmm. the promotional material running on TV. Um, but yeah, just the quotes would circulate forever. The whole like, it, what is it? In case I'm not enough of a freak already, let's add a tiara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the oh yeah, there's just there's a lot of good moments that this just movie, always were in the lexicon. This movie is roughly 75% made of trailer moments. You know, yes. it's like between the quotes, between the quotes and the sight gags and the slapsticky kind of humor, it's pretty much purpose made for trailer cutting. Yes. Like whoever did actually cut the trailer for real had a lot to work with. They're had like, a lot great, of I'll just edit the movie, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so good. But uh, yeah, I cannot remember the specifics, but sure. I do remember this being a huge part of just like... Well, I think that, because this came out in 2001 and it was probably the teen girl movie of the moment until it was supplanted by Mean Girls in like 2003 or 2004, whenever that came out. Yeah, good point. And even then it's like, it's, I think you kind of grew with them. Like uh -huh. Mean Girls wouldn't have, like we probably wouldn't have been able to see it when mm -hmm. it first, if it had come out in 2001, but then you grow, you know, that it, I think they tracked probably yeah. with oh, yeah. kind of those milestones of the audience. So totally. Yeah. But that's, that's a good point um yeah so as far as reviews widely this one as i was looking up it, it i think critically not so hot a lot mm -hmm. of people kind of you know the cliches and just the general like fluffiness of it i think was not well received but it's really really well remembered so yeah. there's only so much that that matters and as far as the critics thing i have to imagine because this happens a lot of times with movies that kind of Sleep. I, I don't want to call this a sleeper hit because I imagine it, was, it made a pretty good amount of money mm -hmm. from the jump. I mean, 
It made a uh, it made like what six times its budget or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, international, but a lot of times with movies that are that fit within established genres, mm-hmm. a lot of times critics will just sleepwalk through that kind of thing, and that's yeah. on them. And so you know, bad reviews for a movie that fits into a genre like this, a lot of times critics just get it wrong. Yeah, and it's like it just wasn't for you. Like it yeah. wasn't. For the critics, I don't know. It, yeah. You kind of have to, I don't know, my philosophy on critics' jobs is mm-hmm. more or less to judge a movie based on what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie is totally successful at what it's trying to do. It's trying to tell this kind of a cliche story or mm-hmm. a very overdone story in an interesting and new way, or at mm-hmm. least in a way that feels fresh and unique and worth your time to revisit it. And I, I feel like this movie succeeds in that very well. Yeah, and it's just, it, it's got so many interesting specifics to it that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, an, it's enjoyable even though it's maybe not completely original. Right, but. yeah. Well, any movies that you thought of to pair with this one? Well, it's interesting that you brought up the Cinderella thing because I actually was thinking more along the lines of My Fair Lady. Oh, like the sure. Pig, the Pygmalion story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like this has a lot of parallels to that. Obviously, it's not a one-to-one, but I do feel like it has. It is kind of like a Cinderella meets Pygmalion kind of a kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like I said earlier, Ten Things I Hate About You, I feel like is very much in the same type of movie as this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has a lot of kind of common stylistic elements. Um, just the very... The, absurdly stylized high school environment <laughs> yeah and the absurdly stylized social strata of the of the high school environment and and the the way that different cliques are portrayed and things of that nature um we'll get to it when we actually go through the rundown of the plot but the, there's the one scene where mia goes to pick up her car or goes to check in on her car at the garage mm-hmm. where uh michael's band is is performing and he's playing a keyboard with M&Ms on the keyboard. I was like, that is the most 90s teen movie imagery I can imagine. Band practice yeah. in the in the garage with a bunch of hot rods and <laughs> playing a keyboard with, with M&Ms on M&Ms, the keyboard. Yeah. It's the most absurd thing in the world, but it it, it fits. It what works. Is, oh, there's a line in that scene too, which I actually misremembered, but uh, the girl says like, he fixes cars, he plays guitars, he is so rad. And it uh-huh. was like, oh my god. Uh-huh. Um, it's funny that you mentioned 10 Things I Hate About You as well, because the guy who plays Paolo, the hairdresser, yes. is the, the dad. dad yeah. yeah I, Which I, 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 once you said well, that, I was yeah. like, wait a minute, is that right? But yeah, so, so funny. Um, it was, he was a great character in this too. Definitely. But let's dive into the plot yes. then. So as you've kind of already established, we open on... Mia, awkward social outcast. She's working at a rock climbing gym, which I must say, bad rock climbing form in that scene. It was not, I was like, you guys are not regular rock climbers, but you got to keep your body close to the wall. Anyway, um, so she is awkward. There's actually a lot of like funny gags at the beginning about her just being invisible. Like Mm -hmm. people literally sit on her. Like people, um, Sandra Oh at first is, she's the principal, or I guess Dean. Principal, vice principal, something like that. Whatever, yeah. And she like, walks through and says hi to Lily, who's um, who's Mia's best friend. Mm-hmm. And Mia's like, hi, Miss... Um, oh, Miss, like, Gupta. Uh, Miss Gupta. Miss Gupta. I and remember it was such a... Like, it stood out because I was like, that's a very specific name choice for this yeah. character. Oh, there's some great name choices Mr. in this Robitussin too. Mr. Robitussin is my Robitussin. favorite. By far my favorite. Is that like a... 
a real no, that's just, name? That's just a that... made-up pharmaceutical product name. I was like, I'm maybe it's up. named after somebody, I guess. But I never clocked that it was Mr. Robitussin, her neighbor. But um, yeah, so a couple funny gags about her being invisible. She has to give a speech at the beginning of um, the movie and in her like debate class against, of course, like the most popular boy that she keeps yeah. having oh. these like flash fantasies of like making out with. Which but... that was a great kind of way. I really enjoyed that. There's very few movies that will lean that hard into like the fan that fantasy thing. But like yeah. Eric Von Detten is such like a relic of that very specific yes. time because he was really only popular as like a Disney Channel star. Between, I want to say, probably 1998 and 2001. Yeah, yeah. I was looking up his credits because I was thinking, I got him mistaken um, for the guy who played Tweety in Even Stevens. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, classic like oh, yeah. Disney kid, but not the same, not the same dude. If ever there was a, an image that was more emblematic of that very specific time period, it is Eric Von Detten making out with Mandy Moore. Yep, yeah. That was like, it's oh, so 90s specific. couple... Oh, uh, yeah. But I will, also, the music cues throughout this uh -huh. were so... It was like that... When we weren't quite out of the 90s, like, we were right. in the thousands, but, like, it was still, like, oh, we were still holding on the to it. The 90s lasted until about midway through 2001. Yeah, Let's we can all agree. honest about that. Yeah, it was all, like, Backstreet Boy knockoffs, and, mm -hmm. and one of the songs was just so, like... Just one of those, like, you're so beautiful, but you don't know it. Mm -hmm. Like, only yep. I see it. And you're like, oh, God. Uh-huh. But, so, yeah, funny. She's she's not seen. Um, we see kind of intercut with this day at school, this, uh, like, diplomatic caravan limo, going yeah. through. Mm -hmm. a, li a limo, yes, motorcade with flags. Um, and we learn that that is... Mia's grandmother, Clarice, who's mm -hmm. suddenly in town, her paternal grandmother, mm -hmm. her mother and father, we learn, uh, were forced to divorce, yep. but her father died... Very recently. Yeah. Like, there's a line that's kind of a... I wasn't sure if this was meant to be taken literally or if it was a yeah. gag, but there's a one line where Lily says, mm -hmm. that happened, like, what, two months ago? Yeah, I was trying to remember if it was two months or two years, but... Yeah, Lily literally says, like, because she's talking about her dad, like, oh, my dad wants to, like, go spend time with me or mm -hmm. whatever. And Mia's like, well, like, you know, at least you have a dad. And she's mm -hmm. like, hey, that was, like, two months ago. I thought right. you were over that. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> like, very uh, confused about whether teenagers. that was supposed to be a laugh line or not. Like, yeah. The way it was presented. I don't know. Yeah. I think, because she really had no relationship with her dad except yeah. for, like, what he would send her. Um, I think the implication was that they never even met. Right, yeah. She I think no Lily says, like, you, you never met the guy. Um, which does make the, kind of, the rest of it a little tenuous. You're like, yeah. okay. But, um, yeah, they were forced to uh, to divorce, but her paternal grandmother is in town. Um, so she goes and meets her for tea. Uh, goes to this humongous house. Which turns out to be, like, the consulate for yep. Genovia. Yeah, which I was like, does she not? She doesn't ask any questions as far as we see. It seen. seems like <laughs> if I had a grandparent that lived in a European country, mm -hmm. I would probably want to know a little bit about that country. And it, that was that was one logic flaw in this movie that I thought could have perhaps been circumvented just a little bit, handled a little bit differently, was that if my, grandparent, if my grandmother lived in, in Europe, mm -hmm. I would probably be like, oh... Let me quickly Google this because I'm half Genovian. I should know a little bit about right. Genovia. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is what the Queen of Genovia looks like. Okay, and then when you meet your grandmother, it's like, oh my God, okay. Right, because you wouldn't necessarily know what your grandmother looks like, mm -hmm. but if you knew what the Queen of Genovia looks like, maybe. But she's also 15, so like maybe that or stuff just name. hasn't really. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but she didn't again, even who, really know her father's real name, I guess. Who's so. who's the monarch of Liechtenstein now? Who knows? That's true. But if you half Liechtensteinian, Liechtensteinian, you might. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> half a Liechtensteiner. Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so she meets with her estranged grandmother, who is of course this gorgeous, graceful woman. Mm -hmm. Clarice Rinaldi, a.k.a. Julie Andrews. Right. Um, they have tea, and her grandmother gives her the tea. They that cut she is. straight to the chase here. Yeah. Well, it's very important. Your dad never had another kid, which he was, I guess, was kind of the plan when their parents divorced. Uh, and you're the only surviving daughter of the prince, therefore mm -hmm. you are a princess. Mm -hmm. uh, so, which... Okay, not to go down this rabbit hole, but... Please, let's so, do it. Is Clarice's husband the king? We just never meet him? I, I think the implication was that Clarice... Clarice said that she was royalty by marriage. So she married the heir to the throne. Right. And I assume the implication was that he died at some point in the indeterminate past. Okay. At what point, I don't know. But wasn't Philippe prince or was he king? He was the crown prince. Crown and prince. I don't know enough about the rules of hereditary <laughs> monarchy to know what that actually means. Okay. But that was... I, I assume, oh, jeez, I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I have so, no clue. Because, like, Mia doesn't go straight to queen. Anyway, not relevant. Whatever. We're assuming Clarice and Mia Ooh, are, like, the is, only ones left. This is probably what it was. Okay. Um, probably what happened was that, because if, 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 if the crown prince died that recently, maybe it was a matter of the king died before, uh -huh. and then the crown prince died... But in the interim, the queen was essentially the queen regent, if we're going right. by Game of Thrones rules. Yeah. Because there is a, a living heir, but it has not yet been established if that living heir will assume the role of monarch. Right. Why was Philippe not the king? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I really have no idea. Some follow-up Googling about this. <laughs> anyway, not important to the plot. Um, so... Clarice makes this big reveal that Mia is the, the princess, princess because her father was going to be king. Right. So Mia freaks out, says the whole freak out of Tierra line, mm -hmm. classic, uh, and just runs away. Yes. She's had some really great, like, establishing klutzy moments in the scene as well. We won't mm -hmm. go through all of them right now, but the way they, like, set up this dichotomy between, like, Mia, this schlub from San Francisco who doesn't know anything about what it takes to be mm -hmm. a graceful royal, and Clarice, this, like, born and bred, not technically, but, you know, mm. maybe she was, like, nobility of some sort, uh, and, you know, her, her gracefulness. Ten, monarchs tend to marry other nobility, I would yeah. say. So there's a good chance that she came from some other royalty or, no, or you know, royal family elsewhere in Europe. True, very, very true. Uh, who knows? Who knows the history of Genovia? I'm sure it's <laughs> written down somewhere. Um, so she runs away. Uh, Clarice later comes by the firehouse where, where they live, basically says, like, well, you have to. If you don't become the princess, then somebody else is going to rule. She says Genovia will cease to exist as we know it. Yeah, because we, we, we got that little bit of information from the... Um, unpleasant but otherwise kind of innocuous couple yeah. at the state functions. Right, who, later, yeah. I assume we're part of... Because it, it says that Genovia is sandwiched between, between France and Spain. Mm -hmm. So my assumption would be that one of those two countries would just annex Genovia if oh. they did not have their own central monarchy. Maybe. Which doesn't make sense because they seem to be a constitutional monarchy. They have a prime minister. So I'm not really sure oh. 
Maybe it's just like a grandfathered in kind of a thing where... Well, they're a baron and baroness. So I think right. they're like another line of nobility. Okay, okay. It's like yeah. the, um, the bourbons and the whatever. I right. don't know yes. a ton about yeah. this, but I have watched some period dramas. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I think it was like another like line of nobility that maybe was like closest. So they would kind of Got just it. scooch into so the like, uh, So like royalty. Stannis Baratheon. Yes, but not siblings. But they're not siblings. But okay, yeah, like... yeah. If yes, yes. If there's no, <laughs> maybe. Um, this could have gone Game of Thrones so quickly. There, yeah. uh, just what you can do with some slightly different choices. Um, so they reach a compromise proposed by Helen, Mia's mom, that Mia is going to take lessons mm -hmm. for the three weeks leading up to the Genovian Independence Day ball. Yes. And then decide whether or not she is going to abdicate. So now this becomes a Rocky movie, essentially. Yes. We have put a clock on there. No, well, makeover montages. Are makeover montages makeover the, mon this movie the is workout, the training montage? makeover montage. It's half one makeover montage, essentially. It's a short makeover montage. It's I would say quick. that there, there are full scenes devoted to the to, the, to different aspects of the makeover. Oh, okay, in that not sense. just like the physical, yeah, but yes, right, yes, right, yes. Right. Yeah, it is very much a Pygmalion, like books on your head. Yes. Queens sit with their ankles crossed and wave. Thank you for being here today. That's also something that just got said all the time. Um, you could make in a fun, real life. You could make a movie. fun game for very very few people of. Did this happen in My Fair Lady or Princess Diaries? Oh. Between like the different exercises of marbles in your mouth while marbles you're talking, your books yeah. on your head, tied to the chair to correct your posture, yeah. all this stuff. I'm sure there's some crossover too. I feel like tied to the chair probably happened. and Maybe not. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so she agrees. Um, she starts going to these princess lessons after school. She's, as Kyle says, going through these different montages of learning to walk. We don't mm -hmm. slump like this. Like, uh, <laughs> Julie Andrews, what Julie, a gem. She's incredibly good at playing the high class and the kind of you know imitating like the lower you know you know what i mean like mm -hmm. she's very good at being i guess class fluid would be mm -hmm. the best way i could think oh, of yes you know yeah this is very mary poppins like there is so much yes. mary poppins in this performance because she's doing a lot of that like we don't slump walk faster but she has the, she delivers it in a way of a person who has adapted it mm -hmm. adapted to that in because I, I remember reading this somewhere that originally they didn't want her to play Mary Poppins because she lacked the class needed, mm. the class and poise needed to play the character or something, <gasps> which seems unheard of from where we sit today. Ugh. But when she was in her 20s, who knows? Who, I, I have no idea where that criticism came from. Well, I mean, you see like Sound of Music and that's kind of the joke there yeah. too, is that she's just like this, you know, outdoor girl frolicking mm -hmm. in the grass playing her guitar and she can't right. fit in this like, you know, officer's home. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, fair enough. It just like, pff, love to know who said that. Right. I feel like a dummy now. Um, <laughs> so she starts going to princess lessons and obviously this creates some tension with right. uh, how she's balancing her normal life. She also has to be, kept, it has to be kept completely secret because yes. if the press find out, they will have a field day, of course. Um, so meanwhile, she's, you know, getting a complete makeover, hair relaxers, yeah. full face of makeup and none of her classmates think to ask like, hey, what the heck's going on with your life? The actual like, makeover scene mm -hmm. with Paolo. Yes. It, I, I, I didn't necessarily find the whole thing that funny, but I did love the line where he's talking about the eyebrows and calling yeah. him Frida and Callow. <laughs> and if 
and he says something to the effect of, if Brooke Shields and Groucho Marx had a baby, <laughs> that baby would have those eyebrows. Yeah. Hilarious. I love the, some of the lines that they give about me as eyebrows. And like... Um, That's a three reference joke, and none of those references would land at the target audience. Which I think is it's what the I first time it. I truly heard it and was like, oh, that's hilarious. But I don't, I think that was way over my head before this viewing. Um, I love when Clarice is looking at Mia and like the first time they meet, and she's like commenting, like, oh, she's got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shapely neck and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, beautiful eyes hidden under those Bushman eyebrows. And you're like, ah, oh, hilarious. There's a lot of, I think maybe if this was made in 2019, some of the, like, the, not body shaming, because it's never about, like, her, you know, weight or form. It's always about her just, like, general presentation. I think maybe they would have scaled that back. Maybe, although, okay, from the little bit of research that I did, it sounds like, and I use this term, to explain more than anything else, but like they had to really ugly her up for this role. Oh yeah, like, you can tell her eyebrows are kind of dry on in a little eyebrows bit. Eyebrows are definitely mm-hmm. fake. The hair is obviously fake. Mm-hmm. But also, apparently, Gary Marshall told her to gain some weight to try mm-hmm. to like fill, you know, to try to like fill out her figure a little bit and make it look a little bit less, make her look a little bit less Hollywood. Maybe, yeah. I did not. I didn't realize about the weight because she's always kind of in that like, you know, schoolgirl universe. She's still yeah. very thin. Yeah, yeah, she totally is, and like you can. She, it's not as bad as like Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman, oh, no. where it's yeah. just like, how dare you make me believe that this is what an ugly, forgettable woman looks like? But um, she is. She definitely does kind of go for that like high schooler. Like mm-hmm. eh, maybe she doesn't quite know how to do her hair yet. Maybe she hasn't gotten a handle on, you know, how to dress. But I yeah, there is a lot of. Just uh, the, like, eh. and they, then they are right at the end. It could have done been one way if it's like, oh, what I, I like thought my that curly they did, the, what they did though to avoid that kind of criticism was very simple, and I thought it really worked well. Is the scene where she's by herself in her room and she's looking at herself in the mirror and she says, "Well, this is as good as it's going to get," mm-hmm. implying that she wants to do something else with her appearance. She just doesn't have the skill to do it. Yes, that's the, but I think that's the implication. It's it's weak, but I feel like that is. That helps avoid. It's not like she's saying, "I'm perfectly happy with the way that I look right now." It's like, yeah, it's it's like this is giving her the boost that she was actually interested in. Yeah, but like, what team girl doesn't want to look better than they think they do? I do love that cut though, where it's like, you know, you want my daughter to run a country or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cut to her like tweaking her eyebrows (laughs) in the mirror, like making faces, and then she's like, "Well." This is as good as it's gonna get. That like ten second cutaway because it, it's <laughs> mid conversation. Just cuts to her making faces and then back to the conversation. Yep, yep. And right on the line of like, you want my daughter to be the princess or something? And so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, she really is like. I I was trying to look for those like, oh, this is you know clearly Anne Hathaway was a gem, and I'm not sure I saw a hundred percent that, but she is like she just has. She goes completely broad in the comedy sometimes. She's not afraid of the physical comedy. And she has very... The transformation is totally believable. At the end, it's like she's unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so she's doing this stuff in secret. Eventually, Lily kind of... Once she gets her actual physical makeover, Mm -hmm. Lily calls her out for being a, you know, a whatever, a wannabe. Like, she's trying to be popular, blah, blah, blah. You and I agreed that we were never going to care about that stuff. And look at you. You look ridiculous. You should sue. Hilarious. At that moment, I got really angry. I was like, this is a bad friend. You're being really mean for no reason. This is really kind of unnecessary. But then it comes back, 
and she openly admits that she did it because she was jealous. And I was like, oh, okay, so this makes sense. Got yeah, it. yeah, that was one where it's like, we. I was thinking through like the makeover scene, like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't feel great about the whole thing of like, oh, wow, thank God there's this beauty waiting underneath mm -hmm. because otherwise, who would have been our princess? Um, but then it's also not cool on the other end to, you know, Lily was also not being very mm -hmm. positive and supportive, but I'm not saying, that, I'm not saying that the jealous. movie positions this in a good way, but I think that from the way the character is put together and the way that Anne Hathaway responds to seeing herself post-makeover, mm -hmm. the implication that I got was that she sees herself and she's like, I didn't know that this was possible. Right. I didn't realize that this was something, this was an option that I had. Yeah. So... Again, we can talk a lot more about how the movie positions everything, but as far as the character is portrayed, I think it makes sense. I think that they avoid it being just overtly gross. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't overtly gross. Uh, yeah. I mean, if Anne Hathaway was, like, hiding under any of us and we could just, like, <laughs> get a hairbrush and, mm -hmm. and turn into her, I think we would. But, um, so anyway, the press do end up finding out and mm -hmm. have a field day at the high school. Everyone's freaking out. Um... Sandra O oh gets to meet the Queen, and it's just amazing. Now, this was, this was a point of contention I also had, was that when they revealed that Paolo is the mm -hmm. one that leaked it to the press, I thought that was the weakest cop-out. I was, I, was <laughs> really, I was really irritated. That was one of the few times in this movie that I was really irritated by the way that it, the story unfolded, because that's the cheapest thing. One character just says, oh, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Okay, there's It no... wasn't for money, although there was a little bit of money. Okay. It was for the pride. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Now thinking about it, it's like, well, well, he asked his girls to sign an NDA, but right. I think he probably signed one too. So probably could yeah. they sue? I think yes. But I think the implication is maybe that like he's such a good hairdresser slash makeup artist that he's like the they wouldn't. Yeah, I did love the way that they portrayed him. They they positioned him as being kind of like you know in Pulp Fiction how Harvey Keitel plays the wolf, the guy mm -hmm. who who can just fix anything. Yeah. He can just blow in, fix something, and then leave. Yeah. And they positioned Paolo as that type of character. Yes. And I love his, like, thing on the way out is like, oh, and like, by the way, Queen, your hair looks great. Like, maybe uh -huh. next time we go a little lighter. Like, whatever. And <laughs> yeah. so, and she doesn't respond, but it's like, yeah, she probably still has a standing appointment with him. He's going to be okay. <laughs> of um, course. It reminded me of, have you seen Fleabag? Do you watch no, it? No, okay. I have seen it. There's a hairdresser scene in the second season that's just like, it's pretty funny. You can never, like, break up with your hairdresser. Um, <laughs> so, uh, press find out. Sandra yep. O. Oh, incredible. She's just, like, fawning all over mm -hmm. Clarice and really making a meal out of her like yes. ten lines of dialogue in this movie. Incredible, incredible. But this doesn't really change much. Not really. In terms of the as, as, as much of as the as dire as the consequences were set up to be, if mm -hmm. the secret got out, really nothing changes except that the press are buzzing around like mosquitoes. Yeah, that's it, it's not ideal. Um, so the next thing is the state dinner, which is right. kind of a the warm up precursor. Fight if, we're going, yes. if we're going with the Rocky uh, uh, analogy, absolutely, here. and it holds up. Um, so Mia's there trying to, you know, exercise her newfound mm -hmm. etiquette as well as she can. Makes, of course, some hilarious blunders with like <sighs> eating too much ice cream, which like she didn't. The she's sitting next to the prime minister and his wife, and his wife says like, "Oh, she didn't realize it was cold," and I was like kind of idiot yeah doesn't know that's cold it looks exactly like ice cream <laughs> yeah literally and he says like it oh it's be? to cleanse the palate yeah what the heck would that have been um and then 
they're like, oh no, what do we do? Let's take too much too. And that just, it was just the most nonsensical yeah, the sequence of events, but hilarious. The logic and, doesn't really hold up, but it's still, the scene still works. Yeah, yeah. And so she makes a couple blunders, ends up kind of tripping someone, lighting someone on fire, something uh -huh. else happens, spills water on somebody. Fruit gets thrown to, like, the prime minister of, I guess, Japan? They never say. I think that was the implication, um, yeah. And he, who has been, like, stoic this whole time, not engaging. He's sitting next to Clarice and just starts laughing. So everybody starts laughing, and it's okay because we're all human. So one of one of many, from the, again, from the research I did, one of many blunders that made it into the movie, maybe you saw this as well, mm -hmm. but the part where she sets the guy's sleeve on fire, mm -hmm. that flame was supposed to go out when she dumped it in the ice bucket, but it didn't, and so what you're seeing in the finished movie is Anne Hathaway thinking she was going to extinguish, extinguish the fire, but the guy's sleeve is still on fire, and so she has to think on her feet and figure out how she's going to douse the flame. Oh, my God. Where was your stunt coordinator? That's just <laughs> yeah. messed up. Um, uh, was, the, was the waiter someone? He looked so Ooh, much like someone. I don't... No. Oh, oh wait a minute. Hold on a second. Because I'm pretty hair. sure I am pretty sure that on the IMDb trivia it said that the waiter in that scene was also the waiter in like a key scene in Pretty Woman, which oh. uh, Gary Marshall directed. But he might have been. Another, I'm sure he was in other things as well. I don't know. Oh, he reminded me of like somebody. We're gonna do this right now. Actually, both of the waiters were waiters in Pretty Woman uh, in one okay. role or another. One of them was a room service waiter and one was just listed as waiter. So uh -huh. anyway, so anyway. blunders. Mia feels horrible, of course. Is this the scene where they sing the national anthem of Genovia? I think it is. Uh, oh, well, no, no, I'm sorry. That's the later, that's like the, that's uh, the, the, actual the ball. Independence Day ball where the prime minister sings it. Right. And it's very obviously just, oh, Canada. <laughs> Okay, I cannot o Canada, hear yeah. O Canada without thinking of Genovia. Uh, so, so good. But so anyway, they end that dinner. doesn't go horribly well. The next day, Mia and Clarice are out doing more princess lessons by mm -hmm. misting orchids, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. You got to learn that, how to do as a royal. one of those scenes where I saw and after it was over with, I was like... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it all sets up the, like, you know what? Um, Clarice has, like, kind of a bonding moment with Mia mm -hmm. saying, it reminds me of my first date dinner. Yeah. Like, I, I forget what her little anecdote is. But so she, Clarice, kind of having a moment of tenderness, decides to cancel all my meetings. Uh -huh. I'm going out with my daughter. So they go out on the town in San Francisco doing all this different stuff. Mm -hmm. Clarice tries a corn dog for the first time. Um, and... The two of them playing off each other was so great. There was moments yeah. where, like, like Clarice cleans off the, like, arcade game before she yeah. plays the, like, arm wrestling. And Mia's reaction to it is so great. Like, they they do have real chemistry. They do. And every scene that they share together works really well. Because mm -hmm. you're right. They do have great chemistry together. And it's so cool to see in who we now recognize is an Oscar winner, mm -hmm. Anne Hathaway, in her first movie role playing off of this person who has been just a legendary screen presence at this point for like 45 years already yeah. and it, and just them able to share these scenes in such a naturalistic way and have this very believable kind of patter between the two of them yeah totally um this scene ends or the sequence ends with um the scene i talked about from the trailer where um mia's driving around in her mustang um and ends up like rolling down a hill, pulling out the emergency brake, all kinds of stuff, hitting a trolley. Um, and to get out of 
the fact that they're in big legal trouble because right. Mia is 15, so she doesn't mm -hmm. technically have a full driver's license. I'm guessing she has a learner's permit because right. she doesn't have a licensed driver Exa in the front yes, seat. Exactly. And Clarice does not is not a licensed driver because her license expired 45 years ago, <laughs> yeah. which she says, you don't understand. In Genovia, licenses don't expire, <laughs> which, which I like think some is... Top shelf bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was more of like, she's just out of touch with the fact that they do, but no one's going to pull over the queen. <laughs> um, and she said she hadn't sat in the front seat of a car in like ages. So yeah. I don't think she's doing much driving anyway. She's not like... Um, was it Philip Elizabeth's husband right. yeah, who's yeah, out yeah. there driving, crashing cars? Um, so they get out of it by Clarice. Another, we talked about this with um, uh, on the town, but just a mm -hmm. great grandstanding moment yes. where you just get the crowd on your side and then walk out, yep. you know, squeaky clean. Um, so she it, knights the two, the uh, the police officer and, and the, the bus driver. Um, yeah, the trolley conductor driver, uh -huh. whatever, um, and they are just like. Oh, so which, sweet. Which sets up a very funny sight gag oh, later on yeah. in the movie. I loved it. When they show up, when they show up at the ball They're with there. their medals on their jackets proudly serving. Oh, God bless them. They're so sweet. Um, so, yeah, that's just a funny, sweet, mm -hmm. like, Clarice is a real person, too, scene. Um, and then we get to the beach party that's been right. set up since the beginning. Now that Mia's all famous, Lana, who is the mean girl, of course, the head of the cheerleaders, mm -hmm. um, was trying to, like, pretend that she was friends with her for the press and um, her boyfriend, Josh. Yeah. So now we, we skipped over a very key point, which oh, was yes. that um, Michael, Lily's brother. Right. yes. Uh, also, Jason Schwartzman's older brother in real life. <gasps> they look so much alike yeah. now that you say it. Jason Schwartzman's younger, excuse me, younger brother, two years younger. Oh, okay. And also the lead singer and guitarist for the band Rooney. Right. Oh, I do remember knowing that. That was like, right? that was a bit of a thing. Like, you know, middle yeah. school time was like, Rooney's cool because sure. uh, Michael's in it. Dang. Um, oh, man. Now that you say the Schwartzman thing, I totally yeah, see Yeah, so it. that's Robert Schwartzman, who I guess didn't do a whole lot of acting, but he's Jason Schwartzman's younger brother. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, he asks Mia to go basically hang out because she, he's gonna be, his band's going to be performing. Right. And not a date. Just let's go out hang out and so she ends up blowing him off to go to this school beach party again eh, this, this weird 90s teen movie yeah. high school experience things um with eric von detten right who she's Which, had a crush on forever backing up a little bit further because we haven't really given michael his, right. his his full time yet um he obviously has a crush on mia mm -hmm. watching that scene where he like asks her to come watch the band i was like yeah it seemed so obvious that it was a date and they yeah. were just joking but i think Maybe being a 15-year-old, you don't see that that clearly is a date. And he was like, uh, no, of course it's not a I date. Think that's like, one, I think that's definitely one of those tro one of those standard tropes of just young adult novels and adaptations of young adult mm -hmm. novels is the things that seem obvious to an older reader <laughs> or viewer, but teenagers just don't pick up on that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. When they probably should, but they don't. <laughs> and he he does such a good job. To the point where I was like, maybe this is like just how he is of just mm -hmm. playing that like very awkward but still lovable teen boy. Like mm -hmm. it, it's very much in the vein of like Michael Sarah or Jason yeah. Schwartzman, a little bit Martin Starr, though Martin Starr doesn't usually do the kind of like heartthrobby end yeah. of that. He's usually more, you know, the freaks It's so interesting said. how like the arc, not to get on another big tangent, but like it's so interesting how the arc of teen movies 
shifted over the decades from the more 80s style, like John Hughes, Pretty in Pink thing, where the whole deal is, oh, the popular guy is going to realize that this quote-unquote nobody girl mm. is pretty and special and all this other kind of stuff. And they're going to get together in the end. Jumping to the more 90s trope of the... The, the girl who has the makeover is going to have a big crush on the popular guy, but then realize that he's a jerk and then get with the guy with the floppy hair who's in the band or, mm -hmm. or whatever, or, yeah. or who fixes cars or, or whatever the deal is. Yep. Um, I, fi I find that really interesting about that shift, that kind of cultural shift mm -hmm. um, in, in what's expected of a, a movie for teenagers. Yeah, know? yeah. It's, I think that was kind of a long-lasting early thousands mm -hmm. trope because then I think we shifted a little bit more to tell it from the boys perspective mm -hmm. but yeah it is it is funny because the tale as old as the <laughs> 90s I guess um so yeah she did make plans with Michael but then she breaks them because Josh asks, asks right. her out you know she doesn't get it she doesn't mm -hmm. see what's important she also made plans for the same night with Lily to be on Lily's talk show, mm -hmm. which I'm guessing both those plans could have worked out together, or was she going to end guess. up blowing somebody off in the end because she already double booked her Saturday? Yeah, it sounds like she's just not super good at keeping up with her appointments. Yeah, she know. needs a calendar. <laughs> um, so she tells Michael, and Michael's like, oh, okay, like, whatever. Can't be mad because I didn't tell you it was a date. Yeah. Um, and... Lily has no idea, so she just completely blows Lily off yep. to go to this beach party where, of course, she's humiliated by Josh and by the cheerleaders mm -hmm. and by everyone and turns into a big, you know, uh, scandal of, you know, tabloid scandal where yeah. it's like Princess out partying or uh -huh. whatever with her in a towel and her kissing a boy all that, which Clarice really gives it to her. The whole, uh, a picture says a thousand words and you have two, another <laughs> classic line, which immediately after Joseph, who has also not gotten a lot of our uh, attention mm -hmm. thus far, but he's been her limo driver yes. and he's kind of the... He's like the head of security for the consulate. Right, but he has a very close relationship with Le Clarice, borderline very, romantic. Very, very close. Um, and also has been kind of a... a Grounded figure for yeah. Mia throughout Hector this. Hector you know? in a very, a very Hector Elizondo oh, yeah, kind of absolutely. role. Oh yeah, absolutely. He plays this guy in any movie I've ever seen him in. Um, yeah, so he's he's been kind of you know, whereas Clarice is the one with all these expectations and she's really putting a lot on Mia. He's the one who's just been saying like, you know, you're doing the best you can, kid. Yeah, like he, you're you're getting it. He's the one who's kind of got very little stake in all of this mm -hmm. in, on a personal level and he that affords him the opportunity to kind of be honest yeah be and, a good guy yeah ba basically be the the um i'm trying to think of like the good uh analog for this guy in, a, in another movie but just kind of the sage wise elder who mm -hmm. isn't directly connected to anything going on in the story but is is there to I don't know maybe the obi-wan kenobi of the mo of the movie or something maybe. like that because we are kind of like what we don't mention in that is that he is also very, like, he has a little bit of danger to him. Like, yeah. the the neighbor, Mr. Robitussin, says something about <laughs> right. it. Because he's always in, like, black leather. Right. And there is that one moment later on in the movie where he just grabs Robitussin by the collar. It's like, yeah. where is he? His Batman <laughs> Yeah, he moment. could totally go. Moment. He could go taken at any moment. <laughs> um, there's a reason he's head of security. But uh, Mr. Robitussin, who's... He's always, like, narrating things well, in this writerly way, which is hilarious. He's an Emmy-winning soap opera writer, I think is what they say in the yeah. movie. Yeah. He says, I can't believe I won an Emmy. But, and he's always narrating, like, oh, that's a nice car. 
he said bitterly to himself <laughs> as he returned to the porch or whatever. Right, yeah. And then every time Clarice comes through, he's like, the elegant European woman did not stay, but there was always the promise of tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he's telling uh, Joseph about like, well, I write soaps. Like, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? And he was like, nope. And he's like, you know, I uh, wrote a spy character just like you once. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm not a spy. That's exactly what the spy said. Uh -huh. So they have a funny banter. And yeah, yeah, Joseph is, he's very sweet, but also like, you know, he can, he can hurt somebody if oh, he no had doubt. to. Yeah. Um, so he tells Clarice that she's being a little hard on Mia and mm -hmm. that she, Mia actually handled her responsibility in the whole thing very admirably. Right prompting Clarice to realize that maybe she was, you know, doing the best she could as a queen, but she could be a better grandmother. Mm -hmm. So she goes and she says sorry to Mia and they reconcile. And Mia basically says, like, I can't do this. I'm not going to be princess. I can't hold that much expectation and that many people's, you know, livelihood, I guess. Or I, She's very worried about disappointing yeah. the people of Genovia. I would have liked to see a little bit more of that internal conflict with Julie Andrews up, mm. leading up to this scene mm -hmm. because it seems like the switch gets flipped back and forth very quickly from her being frustrated that Mia doesn't want to do it in the beginning of the movie to her being more understanding and ha sharing these day out and other kind of experiences with her granddaughter to being really upset about the tabloid thing and you know, accusing her of not being fit for this position to being scolded herself by saying, you're not, you know, you're not being a very good grandma <laughs> to her saying, you're right. I wasn't a very good grandma. I'm sorry, Mia. It all happens so quickly. I kind of wish we got a little bit more mm -hmm. about her, like kind of internal conflicts about her, you know, about these two different poles, the, the, you know, the royal versus the grandmother. Yeah, I think you kind of got at it earlier with the, like, there's a lot of trailer moments in this movie. Yeah. It is a movie, I was realizing on this watch, that the, a lot of, like, kind of peaks. There's a lot of climactic moments. Mm -hmm. Like, you have the state dinner and the beach party and the ball and the, like, mm -hmm. there's so many kind of places that could have been the big moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't leave a lot of room for like build to any of them. The structure of the plot is a little bit weird. Yeah. It's a little strange and there's, you know, these different moments are seated. Like the state dinner, I totally forgot about. And mm -hmm. then they're like, well, you've got the state dinner. And I was yeah. like, well, nobody's mentioned that up to this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the beach party, they seed a little earlier and it's just, it's, yeah, there, there are these weird kind of peaks that make it a little bit hard to just make a slow build or make we really don't even get a lot of like mia's character mm -hmm. like who is mia what does she want out of yeah. all of this we she has some good like stand-up speech moments which we'll get to at the end but we we don't really know what she wants out of her life either mm -hmm. but still a great movie moving on moving on um so Clarice says she's sorry mia kind of comes to terms with the fact that she doesn't think she wants to be a princess mm -hmm. um she makes up with lily and then there's the amazing uh, moment where she has to really stick it to the mean girl. So Lana's like giving Lana her got coned. Lana got coned. And the whole crowd chants it. <laughs> amazing. Like, uh, what? What even? I can't even think about, like, if I was in a high school cafeteria and I just heard people say, like, Lana got coned. Lana got... Would I, you would would join, I join in? in? You would join in. Would I? Well, look. The pack is, mentality is This is, is one so of those strong. things that has stayed constant, I think, through high school <laughs> movies, is that the general rabble, like, the non-main characters, all the extras in the school, which, sidebar, 
Did you ever refer to the people that you recognized but didn't know personally in school as extras? Oh, no, I wish. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I, I knew some people that did that, and I thought it was really That's funny. funny. Um, <laughs> and there were people without any, like, major character I know motivations. nothing about this person. I recognize their face, and that's it. That's They're an extra. extras in my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, one of my favorite things about high school movies in general is that the general rabble, they have no loyalty whatsoever. They will turn <laughs> on anybody. It doesn't matter how popular you are. It doesn't matter how well-liked you are. If you're the nerd and somebody cones you... You know, Mia got coned. Yeah. Lana the cheerleader gets coned. <laughs> Lana got coned. It's like they, they're just looking for somebody to point and laugh at. And yep. I love that. That's <laughs> it's, it's exaggerated, but it feels so true to life. It's so true. Like, these are the same people who were like, Mia, Mia, like, look at the press. There she is. Like, same kids are now like, Lana got coned. They don't know any of the lead up. They don't know where this happened. But Teenagers are such little shits. It's so oh, funny. Oh, they're it's so, so funny. great. God bless the extras. Um, <laughs> and then Lana goes like, oh, Miss Gupta, did you see what she did to me? And Sandra O oh literally flounces. Like, she's almost <laughs> Severus Snape-like in her, like, whoosh, like, cloak twirl. Oh, I'm sorry. I sent it out for dry cleaning. And you're like, what? I was in a very important meeting. Yeah. And she, like, the way she rises from her seat and then, like, <laughs> Sits back down. God, just like watch Sandra O. Oh, people go watch this movie and just appreciate everything that Sandra O. Oh is doing. Which I also felt like production design in general. Like oh, there yeah. is so yeah. much effort going into things that like did not need this much attention. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I just I feel like that's the statement of the whole movie from mm -hmm. Sandra O. Oh to just the way they decorate the palace and some of the cutaway scenes, mm -hmm. like the scene of the Baron and Baroness walking away with the vase and then Charlotte coming back and putting the vase back. Yes. Just great. We didn't have to have all that detail, but I'm so glad we did. That is what I think makes this movie so good, is it, if it didn't have all of that, this is like, I don't know, uh, this is like a pizza with too many toppings, but it's still really tasty. Like M&M's, for example. Yeah, right. like <laughs> exactly. A pizza topped with M&M's. That is exactly what this movie is. It's a pizza with M&M's, but... If, if it wasn't for those M&M's, it would just be a boring, bland cheese pizza. Yeah. Which, we can talk about that scene next. I'm not sure it's sequentially well, exactly next, but we're pretty much there. Mia invites Michael to her, to the ball, as like an apology. Yes. And, you know, whatever. Has a nice scene. He comes and picks up the check for her car, and she has a blackhead strip on and apparently, all that. Apparently that was uh, Anne Hathaway's idea. Oh, was that's the, was, funny. Was the, was the poor strip, yeah. That was, it's so specific. Such a good Such a good choice. Um, so this is an Oscar winning actress at work. Um, so <laughs> he, she invites decisions. him. decisions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of like, eh, nah. Like, yeah. he's just kind of blows her off. Like, not really interested. I, I see who you are now. It was a weak, it was kind of a weak attempt on her part. Oh, I absolutely. will say it was, it was an attempt. It was an attempt to say, I'm sorry for being a jerk. Would you like to go out with me now? Yeah. Which now that I've already tried out the popular kid and it's not working. One hundred percent. One of those moments where you know, as soon as it came out of her mouth, she was probably thinking that didn't sound quite as reconciliatory as I thought yeah. it was going to. Mm -hmm. I practiced. It sounded so much better when I practiced. Um, so her follow-up attempt, which yes. is much more high effort, and I have a lot of questions about the execution, uh, is she orders him a pizza because they were going to get pizza mm -hmm. when. Um, when he she went and saw the band play and she has sorry written out in M&M's yes, on it which we have established from earlier in the film are his favorite candy because they were bouncing on the keyboard when yep. he was at band practice she knows him so weird well weird moment with a weird payoff but it works and i love so 
he, they order, he, he opens the door to the pizza delivery guy. This scene just has, a, it's like emblematic of the specifics we're talking about. Yeah. Because he opens the door and the pizza guy's like, oh, here's your pizza. And he's like, no, sorry, man, we didn't order a pizza. Like, uh -huh. you got it wrong. And he's like, no, no. Our motto is you order, we deliver. Or yes, something. and like, it's printed on the side of the box. And the, like, you call, we deliver. Or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, I am not allowed to not give you this pizza <laughs> because any normal pizza person would be like oh okay well bye like yeah. nobody's gonna be like no you have to take this pizza um so he takes the pizza and then he opens it and sorry's written in m&ms one color per letter yeah blue m&ms for the s yep. yellow m&ms for the o i think those are correct but maybe different colors but you get my point did the pizza people do that did the minimum wage earning freaking 16 year old that's, pizza people, that pizza is, kids, pizza employees. That is like the um, special instructions gags mm -hmm. online that you see where you put your order in online. You're like, draw a penguin on the box. My favorite, of course, being the, the, the best one, not just my favorite, <laughs> objectively the best one, is the one where it says, please draw a giraffe on the box. And the pizza yes. guy drew two semi-parallel lines with three large black spots and it said to scale. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Um, yeah. I assume she just ordered and said special instructions over the phone and yeah. said, please write the word sorry in M&M's on the pizza. I but pizza. no, no. She must have said more than that because if you asked pizza employees, I won't call them pizza people. That sounds... Pizza persons. Different. Pizza persons. Um, if you asked... <laughs> it's like mole people or something, just pizza people. <laughs> and they're making their own pizzas. I, I was a pizza people when I was in high school. I also was a pizza people. I didn't make it, but I started it. Um, I cannot imagine. If you would have called us and said, write sorry and M&M's on a pizza, I would have been like... First of all, where are those M&M's coming from? Yeah, we, we don't, don't stock M&M's. We don't have that in like the little square plastic bins of toppings. I'm yeah. sorry. Maybe if you're like a Domino's or something, like somewhere that like people would... Eh, I don't know. I was imagining maybe they had like a candy and thing in front, but yeah, that's maybe. a movie theater, not a pizza place. So... And then to do it with the care and precision that these children, yeah. probably 16-year-olds, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. did it, I just, I cannot, this, this pizza place is established to be, like, <laughs> written into the script as, like, the most prestigious pizza-making establishment. Yes. The Chick-fil-A pizza. They are very strict. They have very <laughs> they, strict specifications customer and rules service. that they must abide to. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to know, I want to know what that pizza place is like. Like, what is it like to work there? Yeah, also, are they in Atlanta? Do they still deliver? Yeah. If they I like, call... They <laughs> must deliver. Even if they're closed. That's how ironclad yeah. this contract is. Anyway, <laughs> quick scene that... Maybe was too We've specific for We've been talking about it for good. twice as long as the scene actually lasts. But it does raise a lot of questions. It does. I think it deserves to be talked about, to be examined. It is a very, it is a scene that is absolutely emblematic of this movie as a whole. Yes, yeah. Just, just making choices in the best way and yeah. it works out as it does for Mia. But cutting back to where she's at, mm -hmm. she decides to almost run away. She's deciding that, like, she just cannot do this. She's given them the slip, essentially, because she says, I'm going to be at the ball. No, right. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she tells uh, her mom, her, no, she tells the queen, like, Joseph doesn't have to pick me up. My mom will pick me up. Right. So is this, I'm trying to remember, is this prompted because she has to give a speech? 
Yes, I believe that's correct. Because up to this point, we gotta imagine she's not inviting Michael and Lily mm -hmm. as an apology for blowing them off, only to blow them off again. So she must have yeah. just made this choice. And I'm guessing it's because Clarice says like, oh yeah, by the way, at the ball tomorrow, you have to stand up in front yeah. of literally everybody and say, uh -huh. hey, I'm not gonna do this, I'm backing out. Mm -hmm. So, bye. So that, I guess, causes Mia to freak out. Um, she packs up her things, packs up Louie, says we're moving to Colorado. Right. Not sure why. Not sure what a 15-year-old can get up to in Colorado on your own, but, um, and then she realizes that her diary has a letter in it from her dad, mm -hmm. which in a very, like, you could see it as convenient for the plot. I know but exactly what you're going to say. very yeah. true to life. The letter actually falls out of the diary as she's packing it, and her cat walks immediately and sits on top <laughs> of it, which, again, you could say, like, oh, yeah, okay, great, convenient, but, like, no. No. That probably happened in real life. Also haven't talked a lot about Fat Louie, the Fat cat Louis. yet. Fat okay, yeah. Every I, got, time I have you thoughts about Fat Louie, yeah. Every time you cut to him, he has this, like, a moonstruck look on his face, like, just wide open eyes staring at nothing. So funny. Probably and the most apt, aptly named movie cat that I've ever seen, because that cat looks like a Fat Louie. He does, and his real name is Fat Louie. Yes. So, as Fat Louie as himself. As I understood it, yes. I saw that as well <laughs> in the, when I paused on the Amazon. The x-ray, The yeah. x-ray shows up. Uh, what I discovered was that Allegedly. Now, I've got conflicting information on this cat, all right? Oh. One thing that I found out said that that cat was actually Anne Hathaway's cat at the time, who, yes, named Fat oh, Louie. Okay, all right. Another piece of information said that there were four cats who had to each do different things because one cat would just sit still, one cat would walk around, one mm. cat you could pick up, and one cat did something else, I don't remember. But then, allegedly, Gary Marshall says that there's only two cats, and... He refers to them as the cat that moves and the cat that doesn't, which I thought was hilarious. That is so funny. But all of these are conflicting accounts of the cat situation. <laughs> I want to know the truth about these cats. Well, I am on the IMDb page for Fat Louie. He has only two <laughs> credits, Princess Diaries, Princess Diaries 2. And the only trivia about him is, is a cat, is period. A <laughs> so the mystery remains. We're going to have to dive into this one. I'm going to be um, a Fat Louie truther. <laughs> Just for the rest of this podcast. I need, uh, listeners, I need if you answers. have any answers about this, you've got to let us know. Who is Fat Louie? Question mark, question mark. I'm Googling it right now. Hashtag um, Google Fat Louie. <laughs> so, yes, he's just an amazing cat actor as well. He, unfortunately, was not quite as successful in his career as uh, Anne Hathaway became. But <laughs> just every cutaway to him, he just looks completely shocked. Um, so she finally moves to Fat Louie to put him in his cage and realizes there's a letter, reads it, it's from her father, saying, like, you know, I wish I knew you better, and I know you can do whatever I, you set your I, hand I, to. I have to say, when I was in high school for a project one time, my friends and I made a short movie for a screenplay class that I was in, and in that movie, the catalyst for everything happening is that somebody squats down and stands up and his wallet falls out of his back pocket, which if you've ever seen the way that wallets fit into back pockets of <laughs> men's pants, that is impossible. That was more plausible than this whole situation with the letter and the cat. The cat specifically. <laughs> what? No, no, no. That cat... Cats would do that. It just lay on top of a letter in such a way that the corner is protruding just enough to be able to say... Hey, Fat Louie, get in your box. Wait a minute, what's that letter doing right well, underneath your entire body? she was going to move him. Body? She picked him up anyway. Yeah. No, yes. If you have, you can, as long as 
you know something is important to you, a cat will sense it and they will sit right on top of it. But it wasn't important to her because she didn't know it existed. She, that's how good cats oh are. They God. knew it would be important to you. Okay. I don't even, uh, that is true cat motivation and I will brook no argument on that. Um, but she reads this letter. She decides she can't run away. She's born for this. She can do it. So she takes her Mustang out in the rain, can't open the top because it's a crappy car, I guess, drives, gets stuck, lays down in the rain in just a not totally necessary scene, but so good where she just like lays down in the front seat and starts singing to herself. And that's one that I always remember. Oh, yeah. For the, no the, good reason. The like, Catcher Falling Star yeah. uh, returning song from yeah. our... Uh, uh, are from earlier in the movie, but also is that the song that the kids' choir sings in Love Actually at the end of the movie? I yeah, believe it yes, is. Yeah. it absolutely mm-hmm. is. Which I heard this version first, and I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, cool!" Got it. I didn't realize it was a Christmas song, but I yes, guess. It is. Uh, um, also, minor backtrack. Uh, I thought this was interesting that the guy who plays Prince Philippe in the mm-hmm. flashback and in the photo is Anne Hathaway's dad in real life. <gasps> oh, that's so uh, sweet. I think his name is Gerard Hathaway. Oh wow, mm-hmm. very fancy. Um, that's funny. I didn't know that. That's adorable. They're never in any scenes together. No, 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 no. He appears three quarters away from camera yep. in one scene. That's his only actual acting scene and handwriting in a, a letter. And she has a framed picture of his face, uh-huh. which seems a little weird for an estranged dad. Like, it's just a well, picture of him yeah. with a picture of, like, her and her mom and her as a little kid. It's like, you don't know that man. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I won't get into it. Um, so she's caught in the rain. She like lays down in her front seat and just... Uh, that, the, the classic the just giving up. In, in a uh, precursor to her performance in Les Mis. Right. Uh, <laughs> cry singing is Cry singing in the rain. Amazing. Who would have thought? Um, so Joseph comes to the rescue because he realizes that she's, uh, she's pulled a... Of once over on them mm-hmm. and um, because he is good her. at his job. Yes, it takes him a little while to realize that maybe that was happening, but <laughs> once he does, he knows where to find her. So he goes uh, and finds her and brings her sopping wet to the ball where she has to immediately go on and give a big speech because there's no time to the, waste. The little moment of uh, Charlotte wringing her hair out yeah, into, into a, a crystal cup. glass yeah. was a very nice touch. And there's a we've already established that one of the members of the press is like from Teen, teen Beat or something. Yeah. Some teen magazine mm-hmm. and... Uh, teen Vogue getting their uh, political coverage started way earlier than, yes. than I thought they ever did. Yeah. I don't even think she says... Maybe she says uh, It's Teen Beat. It's Teen it's, Beat. They yeah, probably couldn't get Teen Vogue. Or Teen Zine or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and she is like, you know, making her notes for her, her story mm-hmm. later and says like, Mia's Princess Mia is wearing a grunge look with like <laughs> yeah. wet hair and whatever, like making it into a fashion choice. Um, so then Mia gives this big speech, although she's sopping wet and, you know, freezing cold probably, uh, about how she thinks of herself so many stupid times a day. And now it's a time to think of someone else because my thoughts and the thoughts of people smarter than me could be heard, which mm. we don't really know what her thoughts are up to this yeah. point. We she don't know her be, stance. She could have some very problematic political opinions <laughs> for all we know. Like, we, we do know. We're rooting for her to take the throne in this country, but we have no idea what the geopolitical ramifications of this are going to be. It's true. What's her platform? But we do know Lily, her best friend, is at least like hyper activist. Yes. She's like talking about Greenpeace, talking about PETA, talking about whatever. Yeah, She's a, got a different a, platform a every true day. Caricature of a San Francisco liberal. Yes. Really. I mean, yeah. like, like truly. Like, a 15 year old. Yeah. Though, yeah. 
Um, so we know that she's at least a little aware, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, gives her a big speech. Everyone's like, yay, she does it. She goes, mm -hmm. gets changed, um, and does her... Well, we get the great moment where Julie Andrews puts her first tiara on her head when she's still looking uh, like a drowned yeah, rat. That's very yeah. nice. Yep, so she's... And then some kind of, like, cloak of some sort. <laughs> I figure that wasn't ceremonial, <laughs> but I was like, God, that better not be her, like, coronation. I was going to say, yeah. In the moment, I thought it was probably just a blanket because she's probably freezing. I don't Maybe. know if that's it actually had, the like, case. like, sleeves and stuff. It yeah. looked kind of, you know, ornate, but I guess they're also, like, in the consulate, so... Mm -hmm. Whatever. What do they have access to is probably pretty <laughs> fancy. Um, so then they do their, like, opening waltz or whatever. Mm -hmm. Genovians are... I loved all the, like, throwaway references to the things Genovians are famous for. Like, <laughs> yes. pears, pears, cheese, yeah. uh, the waltz. Like, all kinds it's of It's like a things. waltz tango hybrid, yeah, if I Yeah, right. yeah. It was very, like... Well, I guess they're between France and but, Spain. Exactly, so yeah. culturally, it makes, it makes a lot sense. of sense. Yeah. This was thought through. Yes. Um, and so in this dance, we look around and Michael's there. Mm -hmm. He's arrived. He's accepted her apology. They uh, waltz, which he knows how to do. Very impressive yeah. for probably a 16-year-old boy. Well, he's a musician, so, Right. You know. There's this natural sense of rhythm. Um, and then they go out to the garden and uh, she gets her foot-popping kiss, yeah. which has been established. And I think really brought that into the cultural awareness, the foot-popping kiss, although it is a reference to, you know, like, old movies. I was going to say, that is a reference as old as cinema itself, I yeah, think. Yeah, but I feel like this is kind of what revamped it for so. our generation, so. was like, this is a romantic thing. Um, and so she has a foot-popping kiss, which I also like, I also turns like, on all the lights and I the like fountains. I like how they have to establish, the, the movie assumes that the target audience for this film will not know that reference offhand mm -hmm. and so they have the scene where she has to explain in detail to her mother yep. what that means Pops. Yep. yeah yep that's it's iconic um oh, sure i loved i was also thinking about how they would shoot because they cut away to her foot like yes. slowly going up and like kicking the kicking the, the switch, switch to what i assumed was the sprinkler system because that seemed like the type of move that this movie would make no it was the uh fountain the, the they fountain, went up to the fountain lights lights which why weren't those on at this point? We're Why are they well into to the, the party. same switch that turns on the fountain? It's is just it is the, a like, one foot the level master switch? switch. <laughs> foot level so switch true. that like turns on everything in the backyard. God, yeah, you're right. That would have been like a calf level, calf height. That's wild. But yeah, works out well. Very romantic, very sweet. Um and it's just that scene took a little too long. I was like, this is a little uncomfortable. But <laughs> It was, it's iconic. Um, so then, yeah, they all dance. They decide, they, uh, she decides, of course, to be a princess and mm -hmm. kind of gives us her wrap up as she's on the flight to Genovia mm -hmm. um, with Fat Louie and tells us, yeah, she's going to split her time, but uh, Michael and Lily are coming here. It's all going to work out. Yep. And again, I, I tried really hard to find anything to verify this because I remember reading ages ago and this may just be me misremembering it may be apocryphal because I haven't been able to find anything that backs this up what I remember reading was that when they first cut the movie together Gary Marshall first of all his two granddaughters were the the, the two girls that um, Mia signs autographs for at oh, that one scene the one that's like in a wheelchair yes, and the other one's like yeah. also so those sickly are, or something yeah so those are Gary Marshall's granddaughters oh, and great. A they helped um, him cast Mia because, like, when they were taking auditions and stuff like that, um, one thing we could talk about in a second was, like, all the actresses who turned down the role because it's ridiculous. Oh. But apparently, 
his granddaughters were, were the ones that said like, no, you should pick, you should go with her. She's got good princess hair or something like that. I don't know what that means. Wow. But also one of the things that I heard was that after they finished cutting the first version of the movie and they, they, he showed it to like friends and family or whatever Gary Marshall did. And the two granddaughters were like, wait a minute, where's the castle? Because they didn't have the overhead, sh- the aerial shot of the castle. Uh, and they're like, this is a movie about a princess. You don't even get to see the castle. Yeah, and so, like, the castle? so before, so it was Just a last the consulate, thing. the yeah. piddly little consulate. Which kids don't know what a consulate is in the yeah. first place. So a last minute thing before it finally got released was they had to buy an aerial shot of a castle and then digitally add in the Genovian flag on the top of it. That's what I heard. I could be completely misremembering that, but I have such a specific memory of that. I'm not going to fact check it. That's too good. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, I mean, that's a good point. That's a good note. Yes. Small children. Yeah. Where's the picture of the castle? You've set us up yeah. for this. Genovia is the most beautiful place in the world. Right. Uh, that um, is funny. But yeah, very quickly, I really I, I found this list and I thought it was interesting. This is, according to IMDb, the list of actresses who were offered this yes. part of Mia and then turn it down. Juliette Lewis was the first choice. Okay. Weird first choice, I but mean, cool. There's our ten things that I hate about you. Connection. Yes. Christina Applegate. Oh. Wait a minute. Juliet Lewis was in Ten Things I Hate About You. Wait, who am I thinking of? You might be thinking of uh, Julia Stiles. Oh, I'm thinking of Julia. Yeah, Stiles. you're thinking of Julia Stiles. Juliet Lewis was like in. Um, she was in one of the vacation movies. She was in Natural Born Killers. She was ah oh, shoot who she was she oh was she in, was in Dust Till uh, Dawn. Yeah. Anyway. Blech. Anyway, so Julie Lewis was the first choice. Again, weird first choice. Yeah. Also, she seems a little bit old for that at this point, but maybe not for the role of a 15-year-old. Yeah. I'm not sure. Christina Applegate, Amanda Peet, Cameron Diaz, Alyssa Milano, Josie Davis, Kate Beckinsale, Tiffany Thyssen, Ava Mendez, Drew Barrymore, Reese Witherspoon, Alicia Silverstone, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Brittany Murphy, Katie Holmes, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Claire Danes, Kate Hudson, Christina Ricci, Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, and Kirsten Dunst. Apparently, we're all offered the role of Mia and all turned it down. Wow. There's at least half of that list that I think I would have actively disliked this movie if they would have been picked. Like, Interesting. I, not that they, eh, they're fine, but like, it just, Anne Hathaway was just it. Like, no, she's perfect casting she's in this. perfect. She's yeah. so good. I mean, also, hot take, not really. I think that she's probably a better actor than any of those other options. I mean, I like many of them, but yeah. I think that she is a better actor mm-hmm. than most of them, if not all of them. Yeah, and this could have gone so cheesy and oh, yeah. weird oh, so yeah. fast. I think the chemistry between Julie Andrews mm-hmm. and um, and Anna Hathaway, like we said, is a huge factor here. I think the fact yeah. that she can like hold her own in a scene with Julie Andrews is why this movie works in large part. And also like being likable, but also awkward, but also you know, really growing into a person that you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. I could see this being a diplomat. I think Brittany Murphy is the only one on this list that I think could have been an interesting, oh, a really yeah. interesting choice. You know, I think that her, because from her clueless movie mm-hmm. persona to her later movies persona, I think could have been, you know, that could have, that would have been more of like a known quantity because she already kind of played the invisible social outcast mm-hmm. in Clueless, but... But Clueless was almost 10 years before this yeah. movie. So she would have been a little bit too old. Yeah, probably. like the, it's... I don't know, you really do have to believe that this is a young girl. Anne Hathaway even, I mean, you know, watching it as a kid, it's like, you don't see that. Everybody everybody could be like 17 and they're actually mm-hmm. 25 mm-hmm. because you just don't have a, oh, yeah. a real good threshold for that. But I mean, now she, watching we, it, I was like, this is not a 15-year-old. We know like, at least one person who is 30 years old and is constantly cast as a, as, as a high school student. Like, in real life, we do. I mean, it, 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 oh, it, yeah, I yeah. it, just, it just depends. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah. So I, that is really interesting, though. Mm -hmm. That's such a long... And you, I guess... Well, I mean, I feel like the thing you hear in a lot of female-led movies, and maybe yeah. this is actually more for, like, slightly older, like, you know, adult women versus yeah. kids. It, whatever the part is, if it's a female-led movie, people will jump at it because there's just not that many of them. Yeah. But I guess maybe for something like this... Maybe this is a little bit more typical, but it's still led. You're not you're not the yeah. girlfriend. You're not the love interest. And one thing about this that like I didn't I didn't necessarily pick this up while I was watching the movie, but when it was pointed out to me, I realized, oh yeah, that is true. Is that this is a movie that passes the Bechdel test of flying colors? You know, yeah. this is you know for those who are unfamiliar with what that means. Uh, Educate yourself. It, it, Just you, kidding. Sh you should know, but <laughs> it what what is it? It is a the three parts of it are. Mm -hmm. You have to have at least one scene with two or more female characters who are named, mm -hmm. who have a conversation with each other about something other than a male character. Yeah. And that happens all the time in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It... Almost none of the conversations are about boys in this movie, which is, I think, part of what sets it apart from other teen movies. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I love 10 Things I Hate About You, the central premise almost prohibits that from happening. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um... Yeah, I think this kind of made way for, like, the Amanda Bynes movies mm -hmm. as well. Like, a lot of those. I mean, we watched She's the Man. But yeah. then I just, like, you know, whatever, put on in a Sunday afternoon, uh, uh, What a Girl Wants. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of this girl living her life. And there may be a romance, but it's not really the central point. Right, yeah. So, um, but anyway. It's just, it's just part of the furniture of being a teenager in yeah, this context. Which is, like, yeah. Which even watching it now, I was like, oh, okay, they like could have done without the Michael thing. I mean, it's sweet and it does mm -hmm. like add something, and it is it keeps it true to the books. I think you couldn't cut out a love yeah. interest that existed in the books, but um, but yeah, it's really not the point. Any other notable scenes? Final thoughts? Um, I mean, just I would love to reiterate just the fact that this has the weirdest set deck of any movie I've seen in a very long time. So From good. the crazy firehouse that they live in yeah. to the school itself to, you know, all of basically every environment that is occupied looks so curated. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, I, I had a, a, a brief moment of... Uh, What's the not deja vu? Not an anachronism. Well, it felt almost anachronistic that they had those electric scooters. I was like, yeah, on, those aren't bird scooters. Those didn't exist yet. Smartphones I didn't had the exist same yet. thought. But were they electric or were they just big wheeled? I thought like they were electric tired. scooters. I, I thought they were just like low power electric scooters. Couldn't I tell, but yes, it definitely. I was like, oh my god, there's birds in this movie. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that was. I I couldn't tell, but it, I had the same thought. Also, the uh, uh, produced by Whitney Houston. Is that the same Whitney Houston? Whoa, I doubt it, but let me do a little fact well, wh checking. Well, while you're fact checking that, another part that I thought was fantastic was the... the <laughs> it happened twice, and I thought it was going to happen a third time in, in the movie, where Mia runs across the grass at the consulate, and the warning <laughs> comes over the loudspeaker saying, get Classic. off the grass in three or four languages. And it's so, like, so angry. Like, you yeah. think something like that, it'd be like you know, get off the grass, like, blah, blah. but it's like, get off the grass! Like, it's so <laughs> rude. Oh, oh no, yeah. it is Whitney Houston. Whitney it Houston, is the singing legend. Whitney oh, wow, Houston okay. was a producer on this. I wonder Dang. how. That must have been, like, she did something that they gave her a, pro a producer credit for. I, I just guess. have no idea what it would be. Yeah, Any anything else we didn't get to talk about? I think we just about covered it. That was, uh, you know, I... 
mentioned at the beginning, I really liked this movie a lot more than I was expecting to. I think that it surprised me in a lot of ways. There were a lot of lazy things that they could have done and that I was expecting them to do mm. that they just avoided. I mm -hmm. think that this movie is not lazy. Yeah. They put so much thought and creativity into things that really didn't need it, but the fact that they did that makes it so much more of an enjoyable experience. And I think that's another part of why it's so easy for people to just come back to mm -hmm. is, I, I mean, look, in general, I like movies where a lot of stuff happens. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean the plot is complicated or, or, or anything like that. Just movies where a lot of stuff happens, where there is a lot to take in mm -hmm. all at once. And this is definitely one of those movies. There's just so much detail and weird little idiosyncrasies about the movie that I can totally see, like realistically I'm probably not going to come back to this movie a lot but I but a few times I, maybe once or twice maybe <laughs> once or twice but it's good I, I think it's a good movie and yeah. I, I think that you know I, this could fairly be called one of Gary Marshall's best movies yeah it's, not yeah, that that's I, a huge bar to clear but it is some really you know, high I mean really you know good. Pretty Woman is like that is definitely his most popular for yeah. sure um, good I'm glad you liked it I mean I think now talking through it, one of the reasons that this has lasted in a way that maybe not every teen movie would mm -hmm. is, yeah, the richness, the specificity. There is a lot going on and they go the extra mile, like we keep saying. But, you know, it, it is, it could have been lazy. Exactly like you're saying. Mm -hmm. The execution is so thorough and clearly done with care. And I think that made a huge difference. Do you have a three-sentence review for us? I do. My three-sentence review. Nostalgia aside, The Princess Diaries holds up as a fun, smart, and unique take on an often stale premise. A young woman discovering that she's special and must deal with the consequences of other people realizing it too. The interplay between rookie Anne Hathaway and legend Julie Andrews feels totally believable as an odd couple pairing across generations and social strata. Ultimately, this film should serve as the gold standard of quality for any subsequent stories about teenagers facing improbable situations on top of the standard high school drama. Nice. Very good. Um, so what do you have for us next week? Well, would you prefer to watch something serious or light? Let's watch something light. Light. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple of options here. Would you like to watch a movie about music? Would you like to watch a movie about raising a family? Or would you like to watch a movie about a heist? Oh, um, let's watch a movie about music. I am so glad that you said this. This has been one I've had on the list since basically our first discussion about having a podcast like this. Wow. Um, so you've seen some of the classic music biopics of the last decade and a half or so. You've probably seen, you know, Walk the Line. You've probably seen Ray. You've probably seen Bohemian Rhapsody. There have been a lot of biopics about musicians. Mm -hmm. But... There is one musician who I feel does not get his due, and there's a great biopic about him. This is the great Dewey Cox. Oh. Kay, have you seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? I have not. Not oh, yet. boy, oh boy. You are in for a treat. <laughs> um, this is, uh, I believe this came out in like 2008, and it's a just very dumb, but also very smart kind <laughs> of a, 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 a parody of the music biopic genre and i feel like watching it now 15 years later it still holds 
the truth that is trying to to encapsulate. Um, it's a lot of fun. I think you're really going to enjoy it, especially after the discussions that we've had off mic about music biopics. Um, but yeah, that's our movie for next week. Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. Great. I am looking forward to it. I do like John C. Riley, so cool. uh, sometimes. But <laughs> I think I'll like him in this. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, sweet. Yeah, before we wrap up, just a quick reminder, of course, if you like what you hear on K Have You Seen, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Definitely leave us those five-star ratings. Or if you don't think we've earned five stars, tell us what we can do better, I guess. I mean, I can't imagine what that would possibly be. But, but yeah, rate and review, subscribe, and, of course, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, K Have You Seen. And if you have uh, an interest in participating in our program as a guest, and you have some suggestions of movies you'd like us to cover, then by all means, please email us at khyspodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We love having guest episodes. Um, but that is it for this episode. Thanks for joining for K Have You Seen. I'm Kari. And I'm Kyle. See ya. Bye. You showed me dreams.